Hi, we have the um, distinct pleasure of speaking to Dr. Richard Leslie. He just uh, survived the shark tank most recently uh, here at NPOD meeting, and he's going to um, tell us a little bit about where he is now um, academically and um, what his uh, most exciting takeaway from the meeting was, is, uh, along with sort of his idea of what's most exciting in the T1D scientific field right now as well. Thanks so much. So my name is Richard David Leslie. I'm a physician and professor of diabetes at um, St. Bartholomew's Hospital in uh, uh, London and uh, at the Blizzard Institute. And I have had this very interesting meeting here in as much as we are beginning to think of type 1 diabetes as a series of events leading up to the clinical disease which starts over the, we call it a palate model, with different uh, uh, factors which may vary uh, according to different countries, ages, uh, gender, uh, family history, genes. And then these are uh, integrated into a cluster or network in certain individuals, which then progress to um, metabolic dysfunction. So there's actually a dialogue between the immune response and the beta cell function. And this dialogue is realized at a certain point where it crosses a critical threshold into uh, hyperglycemia or dysglycemia, which leads on to diabetes. And I think the interesting thing now is that every one of those stages might be amenable to therapy. For example, the early stages might be amenable to a virus vaccine, which is one of the activators of the abnormal immune response. Um, the, uh, the network of conditions that might uh, impact the beta cell could be affected by using uh, drugs such as anti-stress agents. And we have a couple of uh, trials that have recently been done showing that um, things that, that uh, restrict beta cell stress actually can restrict the progression to type 1 diabetes. And then there are various forms of immune therapy and there's quite a number of uh, immune therapies now available to treat the condition. And I think one of the things about this is that it's a very broad range therefore. It involves people who are interested in genetics, in uh, uh, environmental factors including viruses, in beta cell stress factors, in beta cell function, in immune responses. And so it's, it requires a sort of um, uh, quiver of, uh, of expertise, which is difficult to find. And uh, the only way really we can um, define where we're going is by integrating our thought processes at meetings like this. And the problem we have, of course, is that we have been in silos, it's true, and we're now trying to uh, come out of the silos and start holding hands and getting together to do something about this disease. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, um, I, I also wondered, um, you know, what about your own um, interest? Yeah, I'm, I'm... Scientific interest. My scientific interest is... is, is uh, I was originally... I had a big... Well, I still have the world's biggest twin study. So I was using identical twins to study um, the nature of type 1 diabetes, the risk of progression, complications, and so on. Um, and then I, uh, for various reasons, got involved with genetics and epigenetics. Uh, but that doesn't help treat anything right now. So uh, then I became interested in adult onset type 1 diabetes and I'm particularly interested because 
I realized it was just as common as children. It's actually more common. It's the most common form. Everyone thinks this is a childhood onset, insulin-dependent diabetes from the word go. And in fact, it looks like the commonest form is adult onset. What's that percentage of adult onset? It's about 55 to 60%. Yeah, so it's higher. It's higher. And the majority of them are non-insulin-requiring diagnosis. So it looks terribly like type 2 diabetes. You're adult, you're non-insulin-requiring. And this is a big problem because then people don't really realize this and they uh, mistreat them. Yeah. And uh, it's only very recently, in fact, JDRF convened a meeting which we published a couple of years ago now. And that was really the first time Americans kind of got a hang of this. People were saying, I've been seeing patients like this for years. Why, have you, why has no one spoken about it? So I think this is a really key issue, and this brings you back to this issue of silos. Pediatricians couldn't believe that you could have a severe disease like type 1 diabetes presenting in an adult without requiring insulin. How could that be possible? Right. So there was a, there was a big, big issue there. Yeah, the presentation itself is, is, is difficult. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Not at all. It's been a pleasure. I really Love enjoyed it. Love you to meet you. Thank you.